engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, I guess it's true. Uh, you know the old saying about March, in like a lion, out like a lamb. My goodness gracious, this wind today has been crazy. We had furniture on our front porch blow off earlier today in the wind. Gracious. Anyway, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. There are... Four stories in the news that are completely unrelated and yet have everything to do with each other. And I need to discuss them with you and weave them together. The first is MS-13, the the gang. A girl in Virginia is dead through gang violence, uh, having been warned that this gang was taking over her school. The Washington Post has a big story about the growing threat of MS-13 violence in schools in Virginia and elsewhere, it is um, just a becoming a bigger and bigger problem in public schools as these gangs go in and begin recruiting people from the schools. And they tend to actually be, a lot of these gangs with foreign ties tend to be more violent, more savage than the American gangs. Then, for example, let's say the the Crips and the Bloods, the ones people are more familiar with. Yeah, they tend to be even more violent. And that's saying something, considering the violence of a lot of these uh, groups. They are growing. They are expanding in their coverage. It's not a good thing. There's another story out. This is time. Let's go to Sweden. And in Sweden, gang violence is on the rise, but it's not just any gang. It it is Muslim gangs. It is increasingly unsafe in parts of Sweden to go out at night. If you are a woman, it is increasingly unsafe in parts of Sweden to go out at all if you are Jewish. There are parts of Sweden that have now become ghettoized by poor Muslim immigrants where crime is on the rise, police are not welcome, lives can be threatened, and they are growing increasingly violent. The New York Times has a big story about this uh, from late last week during the basketball games that we couldn't get to. There's another story out. This one close to home, Louis Farrakhan, he's under fire. The Women's March is under fire um, because uh, the Women's March folks are tied to Louis Farrakhan. They are refusing to back away from Louis Farrakhan. They do not recognize, uh, refuse to acknowledge his anti-Semitism. They are hostile to Planned Parenthood now, Planned Parenthood of all things, walking away from the Women's March saying they cannot continue to support an organization that stands with Louis Farrakhan. Members of Congress are having their ties to Farrakhan called into question. Even old video of Barack Obama is beginning to circulate about Louis Farrakhan and the ties to this anti-Semite. People, myself included, on Twitter asking Twitter, why does this guy have a verified Twitter account? If you're going to reject Twitter accounts from white supremacists, why are you continuing to give this man a verified Twitter account when he's a black racist who hates Jews and white people? And then there's a fourth story. Russia. 
A Russian agent and child are in critical condition in a hospital in Great Britain after a chemical nerve agent was used on them while they were sitting in the open at a park. It appears the Russians attempting to assassinate a former spy turned whistleblower. This was a chemical agent used in a park, potentially hundreds of additional people in a major metropolitan area have been exposed to a serious chemical nerve agent that could kill them if left untreated. These are four completely separate stories. MS-13 in Virginia, Muslim gang violence in Sweden, Louis Farrakhan being exposed finally as an anti-Semite, and the Russians. Completely different stories. So if you've had a moment to think about it, what do all these stories have in common? The MS-13 gang in Virginia, the violence in Sweden, Louis Farrakhan's anti-Semitism, and, and the Russian threat? Well, these are all four stories that conservatives have been talking about for years, and the media has dismissed them routinely. The MS-13 story out of Virginia was dismissed by the media because it was conservative hostility to immigrants. The Swedish violence from Muslim gang story was dismissed because it was ethno-nationalist racism from American conservatives who are scared of Muslims. The Louis Farrakhan story had been dismissed by the media for years because it was just a bunch of white conservatives who hated black people. The Russian violence was dismissed by the media because they had to protect Barack Obama. Mitt Romney called them the, the most dangerous national security threat. Barack Obama ridiculed him that the 80s called and wanted its foreign policy back. And the media cheered on Barack Obama's dismissal of it. On and on and on it goes. And now suddenly the media is talking about all these stories and they're new. No one's ever heard this before. No one's ever heard these stories. How you, did you know about MS-13? I thought it was a type of baking soda. I mean, this is just insane. I've talked about MS-13 on this radio program before. We've talked about the Swedish violence before. And I remember, I man, I wish we had an archive of clips. I could go back and tell you that when we talked about the Swedish situation, that it was shortly after the, um, oh, what was it? The, the Charlie Hebdo massacre in France. We were talking about Sweden, and I pointed out that no one in the media wants to cover the story. They think it's all conservative racism, and one day they'll catch up to him. Well, guess what? They've caught up to it, and now they're shocked, I tell you, shocked. It's Sweden. They're the most pacifist country on earth, and there are places you can't go at night without getting raped or killed. Uh, who knew? And then there's Louis Farrakhan and Russia. And the media is suddenly catching up to these things. And by the way, they don't want to go back and say, oh, it turns out conservatives right all along. No, they're just acting like it's new and shiny. They've never heard these things before. This is the bubble the American media lives in. It is absolute bubble that the media lives in. They don't know anyone. They don't like anyone who's a conservative. So they hear conservatives. Well, the only reason they're talking about that, let's see, must be racism, homophobia, bigotry, fear, xenophobia, nationalism, patriarchy. I mean, they, they dismiss all of, the, all of these things. Now, th there is one twist in all of this, and this is Russia. Conservatives for years were raising the red flag about the Russians and the media saying, oh, nope, not a big deal. Nope, nope. Russia, good. Remember, Hillary reset the relationship. Well, now we got a serious Russia problem on our hand and you got the media. Why won't the president do something? Why won't Donald Trump do something to the Russians? You mean the Russians who you guys said were fine and 
we had reset the relationship with. You know, here's the thing, and this is going to get me, it already is getting me blown up from liberals for saying this. Donald Trump isn't acting on the, the, Theresa May gave a, the Prime Minister of Great Britain gave a very strong speech in Parliament today about what the Russians have done. It is an act of war. They have used a military-grade chemical weapon in public in a British park where hundreds of people were risking hundreds of people dying. And the United States should join Britain and have a strong response. But you know why Donald Trump isn't doing anything immediately? It has nothing to do with the fact that, that he's bought and paid for by the Russians, as some of the media would have you believe. There's nothing to do with that. The fact is, if Donald Trump did anything, the media would not focus on it. They would focus on Russia and did the Russians back Donald Trump's campaign. Donald Trump has already done a number of things against the Russians that Barack Obama would never do. He, he cracked down on sanctions in Ukraine. He's confiscated some properties from the Russians. Yeah, the media reported he was giving them back. No, he confiscated more. He's prosecuted more people. He's given arms to those who are fighting the Russians. He's beefed up American security interests in Eastern Europe. He's done all these things, things Barack Obama would never do. And every time he does them, the media doesn't acknowledge that this president is taking a tougher stance on Russia than Barack Obama. They say, oh, well, you know, the Russians, they stole the campaign. They handed it to him. The media cannot acknowledge it. So why should he even bother? Now, he should because he's president of the United States. And I suspect this administration will join with the British to take it seriously. But I can't blame the man for being gun shy about doing anything involving the Russians because all it does is it gives the media another chance to recycle every single thing they've already said about him against him and the Russians. But y'all, these are four stories, MS-13, Sweden, Farrakhan, and Russia that I've been talking about on this radio program for years that other conservatives have been talking about. That I mean, for God's sakes, people like Michael Williams running for governor in Georgia, he's been warning about MS-13 and getting ridiculed by the media here in Georgia. And now suddenly the Washington Post does a story on it and everyone's like, oh, why haven't we ever heard about this before? Because you're in a bubble. You're in a liberal bubble where when you hear people talking about things you've never heard of before, you are convinced it's one of the phobias, the, the homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, what have you, as opposed to being a real problem. Why don't you liberals in the media get out of your bubble and come to the real world where we've been talking about these things for a while? Just a brief timeout for a sponsor that I love and I use multiple times a day. It is my Quip toothbrush. Now, listen, I realize there are other toothbrushes out there that are electric and do all sorts of fancy things. The Quip toothbrush is an electric toothbrush with a great vibration to clean your teeth. And it's very basic, and that's why I love it, because I've tried other electric toothbrushes, and you got to deal with the chargers and all the bells and whistles, and some of them have heads that are so fat, they can't get between your gum and your teeth, and I don't understand why they do that. I had two. I wound up throwing them away. The Quip is so great, and I never have to worry about packing a charger with me. It works on batteries, and listen, I take this thing everywhere I go. I've got braces right now, so I'm having to brush my teeth constantly throughout the day. Uh, the Quip toothbrush is 
fantastic. And the cool thing about Quip is that they give you new brush heads every three months. Well, I shouldn't say give, but you can get new brush heads every three months. And it's just $5, including free shipping worldwide. So you're never going to have to worry about the bristles getting worn out on the, the toothbrush. It is great. It comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror, unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere. Listen, I think the world of this toothbrush, I've had tons of electric toothbrushes from all the names you know, some you don't know, and this is the one I've stuck with. Not because I'm doing an ad and this is a sponsorship, that doesn't matter. I use it because the toothbrush is great, it's convenient, I don't have to worry about a charger, it really, really does a good job, and it vibrates. So every 30 seconds, it times you for a two-minute brush to move to a different part of your mouth, so I'm really getting my teeth clean. My dentist has noticed, my orthodontist with the braces commented the the other day on it. So Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip Electro toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Get Quip today. And thanks to Quip for sponsoring the show. Twenty-six after the hour, Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. There is a rumor afoot in Washington that Anthony Kennedy is going to retire. Don't hold your breath. This was the rumor last year. We covered it a lot here. And in fact, I was told at the time by friends of his. Uh, I, I have a a couple of very dear friends of mine I have known a very long time who have been near lifelong friends of Anthony Kennedy. They are obviously much older than me, um, but I've known them for a long time. And uh, Kennedy's kids were pressuring him to retire last year. Many were pressuring him to retire. You will remember uh, that Neil Gorsuch's appointment, he had been a law clerk of Anthony Kennedy, his appointment was a strategic calculation designed to lull Anthony Kennedy into a sense that things would be well with President Trump. He could resign or retire, rather. Uh, but then a, a funny thing happened. There were a series of, of tweets and other scandals coming out of the White House uh, into the summer. And all of Kennedy's friends said that Kennedy suddenly was of the opinion that it wasn't safe to retire. And... Uh, well, I think that the main reason this is coming up now is Dean Heller, who is fighting for his life in Nevada. By the way, there is news out in the Senate races uh, that the Democrats, it is looking uh, extremely likely now. It's all but certain that the Democrats are going to take back the House of Representatives now. Um, but it's all but certain as well. They may actually lose seats in the Senate. So you may have the Democrats making huge gains in the House and actually losing significantly in the Senate. Uh, we'll get into that more here in a little bit. But Dean Heller is a Republican in Nevada fighting for his life. He's probably the most endangered Republican right now. And he was asked a question about Republican turnout in November. And he said, well, Anthony Kennedy retiring this summer would spur Republican turnout. And that got everybody buzzing. Oh, does he know something? No, he doesn't know anything. 
Uh, he doesn't. He, he, Kennedy may very well retire. Maybe he's reassured now after a year of Donald Trump. Um, but this past summer, again, uh, multiple people very close to him, including his family, were convinced he was going to retire. And then he did not retire. And he did not retire, apparently, because he was concerned about the direction of the country and he needed to be reassured. Maybe he has been now. When we come back, we got to get into what's happening in the legislature. It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. You can get the podcast of the show by texting the word show to 444-999. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. We need to turn to local politics here in Georgia before we get into this uh, National Senate shakeup that might be happening. There are a couple of pieces of legislation you need to keep your eye on and uh, one bit of just outrage for the sake of outrage. And that bit of outrage is there is a March for Our Lives rally coming to Atlanta. The March for Our Lives. No relationship to Days of Our Lives. March for Our Lives. It's the anti-gun rally. Uh, March 24th, mark your calendar. They intend to gather in Liberty Plaza. All these people, many of whom are okay killing kids, so long as it's by Planned Parenthood, they really hate the National Rifle Association. (gasps) Did I just say that? Yes, I did. Well, they're upset, you see, because they may not have gotten the proper permission to have the rally. There was a gun rally there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and state officials cut power to the rally. And, of course, the left is claiming conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. It's those evil Republicans trying to generate a headline that those Republicans, they're trying to silence us. They won't be silent. They're threatening to sue now. Mary Margaret Oliver sent a letter to the state building authorities saying they would face unnecessary litigation costs if they rejected a request to gather. Well, it has nothing to do with rejecting the request. The issue is they're meeting on a weekend. Someone from the state's got to be there to oversee security, clean up the operation afterwards, make sure the trash is hauled out, and handle the power in the plaza. They don't leave this stuff to the organizers. And as long as they dot all the I's and cross all the T's, they get to do it. And what we're seeing is this sense of entitlement from the left that they want to be able to do this stuff without following the rules that everyone else has to follow. If a conservative group, if a National Rifle Association sponsored group wanted to hold a protest there, wanted to hold a rally there, wanted to support gun rights there, they would have to do the same thing. They would have to fill out the paperwork. They would have to say how many people they expect. They would have to say how much security do they need. They would have to talk about when it's going to be. And they would have to pay the charges to cover the cost of the power. If they're going to have microphones there, guess what? They got to have power. And the state is perfectly willing, able, and happy to supply it the state is perfectly willing able and happy to give them what they want the state is perfectly willing able and happy to allow them to meet there the state is perfectly willing able and happy to allow march for our lives to proceed on march 24th at liberty plaza but not if they don't do the right paperwork this is again trying to generate scandal where there is none they're trying to generate outrage for the mob in fact, I suspect a part of this is they're trying to to 
generate notoriety so they can actually have people show up at this march and say, oh, you've got to show up. Those evil Republicans are threatening to turn the power off and jail us. We've got to march in numbers. I mean, that's what this really strikes me as, honestly, is a cynical attempt to gin up numbers by having people come and stand in solidarity with the, the march for our lives so that they don't get arrested or don't have the power turned off. And listen, if they don't cover the costs for the necessary security and power and whatnot, they're going to get shut down. And it has nothing to do with their message. It's called viewpoint neutral. All you got to do is fill out the proper paperwork. And if you can't be bothered to fill out the proper paperwork, they can't be bothered to turn on the lights for you. It's that simple. But yet they want to make it so complicated and find scandal where there is none. Now, there's a piece of legislation you need to keep your eye on. It is Senate Bill 373. It made its way over to the House of Representatives. Senate Bill 383 did, 373 rather. And Wendell Willard, who is retiring, he's the chairman of the, the House Judiciary Committee. He's the guy, you will recall, who helped kill religious liberty legislation repeatedly until the governor said that they could pass it and he would veto it. Then he was willing to do it. Wendell Willard, exposing himself to be more of a left of center Republican than you or I would prefer, he has allowed hate crimes legislation to go through the House Judiciary Committee. They basically took Senate Bill 373 that had made its way over to the House, and they swapped language. They left the, the, the bill as the framework for it, but then they put hate crimes legislation into it. A terrible idea. I am philosophically opposed to hate crimes legislation, and if you are a conservative, you should be as well. Megan Hansen is a Republican from Brookhaven, a moderate Republican up there, liberal leaning on social issues, and she's the one who authored it because I'm sure she thinks it can do damage control in a, in a democratic wave. I authored hate crimes legislation. Love me. Y'all should oppose hate crimes legislation. Let me tell you why. When a crime is committed, when a violent crime is committed, when your business is targeted, when your window is smashed in, when you are murdered, when you are burglared, when you are assaulted, do you know why? Because someone ultimately, they hate you. When you are targeted specifically for violent crime, it's because you are hated. And you know what? There are laws against assault. There are laws against battery. There are laws against murder. There are laws against vigilantism. There are laws against smashing in the front window of a business that you hate. There are laws against those things. Hate crimes legislation is just a liberal absolution for sin. You pass the hate crimes legislation and you're punishing the thought. And that's what it ultimately boils down to. Hate crimes legislation are thought crimes. Because there are states in this country that have hate crimes legislation, and they have found people who did things that really were innocuous, but under hate crimes legislation, they could throw the book at them. It's all about thought crime. I personally believe hate crimes legislation should violate the First Amendment because you are free to hate people. You are free to dislike them. You are free to hate me. I get hate every day. I get hate mail on a daily basis. And you're allowed to. You're even allowed to say it publicly. And I don't think if you 
or to do something violent to me, that you should be charged with a hate crime because you've already committed a crime. There's no reason to also charge you and punish you for your thoughts, which you are perfectly constitutionally entitled to. It is your action that should be punished, and your action is being punished under existing laws. All a hate crime legislation does is in addition to punishing your actions, and that's what crime should be about, criminal law should be about punishing your actions, hate crimes legislation punishes your thoughts, criminalizes your thoughts. It is anti-conservative. It's anti-American, frankly, or at least it used to be, punishing people for their thoughts. That's what hate crimes legislation does. That's why it's bad. And thank God this legislation is bottled up in the House Rules Committee where hopefully it will die. Uh, We do not need hate crimes in Georgia. Hate crimes legislation is just a bunch of liberal pablum to punish people for thinking things liberals don't like. It is 56 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. I got a, a, a couple of emails from people during the break uh, regarding what I said about hate crimes. It's punishing your thoughts. And I mean, they typically come. What if someone goes after a black person, gay person, Jewish person, whatever? Well, there are already laws for that. Those are already crimes. You, you firebomb someone's business because they're Jewish. Well, there's already, that's already a crime. You, you beat up someone because they're black. It's already a crime. You know, I, I, I recall back during 2000, uh, George W. Bush was repeatedly attacked uh, because Texas didn't have hate crimes legislation. And they used the the case of the two individuals who dragged the black man, Mr. Bird, I believe his name was, behind their truck to kill him. And the NAACP attacked George W. Bush for this, and he was asked to respond to it. And he said, well, we gave them the ultimate punishment. We, we executed them. I mean, what do you want me to do with hate crimes legislation? Uh, dig up their bodies and kill them again? There are crimes, and there are crimes that have laws against them already. Hate crimes punish thoughts. When we come back, Democrats may actually lose seats in the Senate. I'll tell you what I know. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. You can get the podcast by texting the word show to 444-999. And you can call the program at 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. It appears, well, there are two things happening here. It is more and more likely that Democrats are going to gain control of the House of Representatives. Uh, And you just need to understand the fundamentals here that the way the Democrats have handled the Pennsylvania redistricting situation and the California races. In California, I don't know if you realize this or not, but um, it's a, a jungle primary, they call it, much like what Louisiana has, where everyone, Democrat or Republican, puts their name on the ballot. 
and the top two vote getters go to the general election. It could be two Democrats, it could be two Republicans, it could be Democrat versus Republican, or even a third party. That's shaping up. Uh, Democrats were concerned they had too many Democrats qualifying. They really, the party level, cracked the whip on them. And it is looking more and more likely that they could essentially take the House of Representatives just by doing very well in California. Um, but New York and Pennsylvania as well. So it has, it's these external districting factors, and it's ironic given the Democratic hysteria over gerrymandering that this could potentially help them. But the Senate is a different story. Heidi Heitzkamp, Joe Manchin, Joe Donnelly, uh, John Tester, none of them, and, and Clara McCaskill, none of them are doing well against their would-be Republican opponents. And the reason of all things has been revealed in an internal Democratic Party memo. The Democrats are embracing left-wing rhetoric to such an extent that it's turning off moderate and middle-of-the-road voters. Think about that. Democrats are embracing such left-wing rhetoric, particularly on... Come on, you know it, you know it, you know it. Guns! Yes. Democrats are embracing left-wing hysteria on guns and they're turning off independent and moderate voters. And Heidi Heiskamp in North Dakota, John Tester in Montana, uh, Joe Donnelly in Indiana, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, among other, Claire McCaskill in Missouri, among others, they're starting to lose their minds over it. They're starting to really get upset about it. Now, they're liberal, don't get me wrong. They'd be happy for the Democrats to do it, but they want to be part of it in the Senate. And their elections are in jeopardy because of what's happening which I personally just think is hysterical. I really do. I think it is funny as all get out that the Democrats in their rush left uh, could be losing the Senate more than the already. I mean, Republicans could be gaining seats. Yes, they could lose Dean, Hess, uh, Dean Heller. But they could lose or they could win North Dakota, Montana, Missouri, Indiana, West Virginia, I mean, that's a pretty big rejection of the Democrats. And it comes as one of the Democratic pipe dreams is bearing out that it has, it's going to stay a dream. It's not going to happen. Democratic activists around the country are pouring their money into this particular race. And today the candidate all but conceded he's going to lose. Beto Rob O'Rourke, Robert O'Rourke, who, when he was with all the, the rich white people up in the Ivy League, called himself Rob, and when he decided he wanted to get involved in politics in South Texas, started calling himself Beto. Uh, he went to South by Southwest. South by Southwest is the big annual um, tech policy, politics, entertainment summit venue thing in Austin that I avoid like the plague because it is so crowded. And he got on stage and he said he doesn't give a blankety blank what the NRA thinks that AR-15 should not be sold to consumers in Texas. It was an AR-15 owned by a consumer that stopped the shooter at the Sutherland Springs Church. Y'all, you can believe something as a candidate, but when you're on the ballot 
it tends to be a wise thing to say it in so in a diplomatic way so that you don't turn off voters and alienate people. This is this is Wendy Davis for guns. You know, abortion Barbie, who her entire claim to fame was running on the issue of abortion. Sandra Bullock is going to make a movie heralding Wendy Davis as some sort of uh, cause celeb, some hero uh, for losing a gubernatorial race because she stood up and spoke on a piece of legislation. She filibustered it, even though it passed. Somehow, I mean, this is all fan liberal fan fiction, anti-Trump fan fiction. Well, Beto O'Rourke is the guy. He's essentially, his campaign is an indulgence. Now, you remember what indulgences are from history class, I assume, where uh, when the Catholic Church was building the Vatican, essentially in Europe, uh, is one of the things that, that led to the Reformation. Uh, it was the idea that people could pay money to the church to get out of purgatory, to, to get their relatives out of purgatory, to get out of sin, essentially. As secular leftism has become a religion, it has taken on indulgences. There are causes in campaigns that you can write checks to and be forgiven your sins. You drive a gas-guzzling SUV and have more than 1.5 kids, you can write a check to the some Greenpeace group. You, you, you once allowed yourself to give birth to a child instead of aborting your child, you can write a check to Planned Parenthood. And you own a gun, but you think other people shouldn't have them. You have a security detail because you're famous and you surround yourself with people with guns, but other people can't have them. Well, you can write a check to Robert O'Rourke and call him Beto. Then you've also got the whole you're not a racist because you're you're backing a guy who calls himself Beto, even though he used to call himself Robert when he was surrounded by rich white people. That that's that's essentially what's going on here with the left. They have embraced certain campaigns and causes and and even outside groups as religious. I mean, the high priests of, of secular liberalism in this country now are Planned Parenthood. And they sacrifice at the altar of Moloch just like they did 6,000 years ago. Nothing's changed. So you have a guy in Texas who the left is writing money to. Now, you should know the Democratic National Committee and the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee have largely written off his campaign. Ted Cruz got more votes than all of the Democrats running in Texas combined. And on top of that, uh, Robert O'Rourke lost all of the, the South Texas Hispanic counties that Wendy Davis lost in her primary, signaling she wasn't really as liked by the Hispanic community as some people claimed. You've got O'Rourke running out there saying that, that he's going to ride a blue Hispanic wave to power in Texas. He knows it's not true. The Democratic National Committee knows it's not true. But liberal activists who want to pay an indulgence they can give to his campaign and he will tell them exactly what they believe and want to hear from a candidate. He will be speaking truth to power for them and he'll lose. And the upside for you and me is that these liberals, they'll be giving money to him because his is a feel good campaign of a highly photogenic youthful candidate. And he'll be consuming all the resources John Ossoff consumed while other candidates who have a chance to win, who aren't as anti-gun, don't get that money and potentially can't win. So there's a good thing to keep this farce going. 
Let me take a quick time out for a sponsor, which came in really handy for me this week. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030. That's 303030 or 303030. Text Eric there now to let the magic happen. I'm talking about Beachbody On Demand. Now, you're probably not aware of Beachbody On Demand per se, but you know some of their programs, P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, the three-week yoga retreat. Okay, retweet, reach, reach. <laughs> If I can talk. Okay. Let me get serious here for a minute. Last week, I had a pinched nerve in my foot, which I'd never had before. It was the worst pain. Now, I admit I don't have high pain tolerance, but I've had surgeries, whatnot. This hurt worse than anything. I thought I had broken my foot. It was swollen and red to begin with. Uh, the, the pain went away, but or the, the swelling went away, but the pain didn't. I could not walk on my foot at all, and I had to go to Los Angeles. And I'd been using the Beachbody On Demand product on my Apple TV with their yoga program, particularly the stretching. And in California, on my iPad, was still able to get it. And it actually was a handy stretching program. Uh, really helped a lot with my calf muscle from limping and everything as, as the pinch was working its way out. The medicine was doing its job. Uh, really actually used this program while I was in L.A. Uh, came in handy. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on a tablet. You can get it on a TV. Really excellent to be able to watch on-demand exercises. You don't have to worry about DVDs and stuff. I do highly recommend their yoga package, which I've been using just for flexibility, and the stretching came in super handy while traveling with my foot problem. Give it a try. My listeners are going to get a free trial membership when you text ERIC to 303030. You're going to get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information free. All you've got to do is text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030. Go do it right now. Text ERIC to 303030. And thank you to Beachbody On Demand for sponsoring the show. You know, in talking about liberal secularism being a religion, I forgot about Jill Abramson. She's the former executive editor of the New York Times. She carries an Obama doll in her purse. Yes. And every once in a while when she needs reassurance, she pulls it out and looks at it and reminds herself of a world that could be our world that was where the United States of America wasn't a racist, hateful, misogynistic place because it had Barack Hussein Obama. It is a religion, y'all. It is a religion. Secularism is. It's got indulgences, it's got priests, it's got sacrifice, it's got a, a penitential system, it, it's got a temple, it, it's got everything that a religious system has. It is religion. Um, it, you know, it's like Chesterton said, uh, the, the Catholic philosopher, the danger of not believing in God is not that you'll believe in nothing, but that you'll believe in anything. It is absolutely crazy. Um, by the way, uh, you should know right now breaking at this time is the House is set to release its Intelligence Committee report finding no collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. And in fact, e even more so, they're taking issue with the intelligence community's assessment that the Russian president was trying to get Donald Trump elected. This was the assessment from back in, I think, late 2016, early 2017. 
um, that there was no collu- there's no collusion and that the Russians weren't trying to get Trump elected. And if you actually pay attention to all of the data that's out there, it's true. There's no collusion, folks. There's never been collusion. The Russians, you know, Richard Burr, who has been very critical of the House and has been running the Senate committee, has been asked about this report. And the fact of the matter is, even he says there, there's been no collusion. If there was collusion, it was between the Russians. There was, there's never been any proof that they had a tie to the Trump campaign. And that's true. And the left is melting down today. But again, you know, this goes full circle to the very beginning of the show. The MS-13, the Sweden stuff, the Louis Farrakhan stuff is the left is freaking out about this because that's what they've been talking to amongst themselves. And they are convinced it is an article of faith to the left that there was collusion. And conservatives have been saying, you know, look, the Russians were trying to sow discord among both sides. All of the data, all of the reports have showed that the Russians were trying to stir the pot on both sides and sow dissent on both sides, and that's what they did. And so the left, they they can't imagine that people could say because it's become an article of faith. They can't imagine people would reject the idea of collusion, but there is no proof. There never has been. It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Let's go to the phones. John in Dallas, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. I just had a quick question. How is it exactly how the how can stores up the age to buying a gun? Isn't that getting in the way of the 18-year-old? Right to no. buy a gun? No, because your rights only apply between you and the government, not between you and someone with whom you privately contract. Um, okay. So, for example, um, you got a right, technically, uh, under the law, if you're 18, to be able to buy a pack of cigarettes in this country, but CVS no longer sells them. Uh, they don't have to sell them to you. Um, so a a company doesn't have to sell you an alcoholic beverage, even if you're 30 years old, if they think you're too inebriated to handle it. Uh, And the same way a company doesn't have to sell you a gun. Um, I I realize there've been a couple of lawsuits that rushed out of the gate, uh, from people, but there is a private contract right in the constitution. And that private contract right is it's it's implied almost like you're uh, like an abortion right in the Constitution, uh, but it is is fairly solid case law that uh, you and companies get to contract and short of the explicit um, discriminations under the Equal Protection Clause of race, ethnicity, and gender, you can contract engage in business with a company and it doesn't have to engage in business with you. So in other words, because of the equal protection clause, it can't say, I'm not going to say you gun because you're black, Hispanic or female, but it can say, eh, I'm only selling to 21 year olds, not 18 year olds. There, there's nothing in the equal protection clause that would violate that. Okay. Yeah. I look, I, I realize that some lawyers have rushed out of the gate uh, with these lawsuits, but I think the law is fairly well settled on this issue. Uh, and I don't see that they're going to um, be able to walk the be able to 
proceed with these lawsuits. I, I would be shocked unless they found the highly aggressive uh, conservative activists to be able to go forward. And even then, most conservatives take such a, an originalist view of the Constitution, even they, I think, would not be willing to move forward with a lawsuit of, of this caliber. Uh, now, that gives me the perfect segue into the president's gun legislation. Uh, he's getting blown up uh, by some folks for it, saying he's not being aggressive enough. For others, saying he's walking back. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says the president is not walking away from wanting to raise the rifle purchase age to 21, but that he didn't think it was appropriate in this legislation because this legislation really is more about school shootings. And they want to focus on that without um, make, putting in something so controversial it would be hard to pass quickly. And raising the, 20, raising the age to purchase a rifle from 18 to 21 would make it more difficult to pass because there's a lot of Republican opposition, thankfully, to that. Uh, but uh, what his legislation would do is a solid start. Unlike, uh, contrary to what some reporters are saying, it would not arm teachers, that's, that's not part of the legislation. What is, is the idea that there are suitable school personnel who could be armed. And there are teachers who are competent and qualified and capable and might want to participate in a voluntary program. And all the president is saying is that the federal government will train these people and keep their training up to date on an annual recurring basis so that they could be certified to conceal carry in schools. And that makes a lot of sense to me. There are also other aspects of the plan. Y'all, some of the other things that the president wants to do in this plan are to form a federal commission that Betsy DeVos would be in charge of. She's the secretary of education to figure out other ways to help schools utilize federal resources in order to keep kids safe, whether it's building safe rooms or increasing security. One of the things the president is proposing is helping transition uh, retired military and police officers into classrooms and into schools in various administrative responsible responsible ways so that they could be there and help keep kids safe. That just seems like a no-brainer to me. It's one thing conservatives have suggested for a while. He also wants to ex get states, and this is a key bit here, he wants to get states to pass um, gun violence restraining orders. They're not calling them that. I forget exactly the term they're calling them, but it's gun violence restraining orders is basically what they are. That is, a member of your family or someone close to you or law enforcement has reason to suspect that you may be on the verge of committing some act of violence with a gun. They can file a temporary restraining order within 24 hours. There has to be a hearing. Uh, your guns could be confiscated. Um, he wants the states to do that. And, and why I think this is a big deal and underappreciated is he is essentially the president is acknowledging federalism, that there are things the states can and should do that the federal government can't do. And take, for example, raising the rifle purchase age to 21. Florida just did that. You do not need Congress to do this. You can do it in your state. And if you say, well, if I raise it to 21 in my state and you keep it at 18 in your state, an 18-year-old can go to your state, buy a gun, and drive back. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. You see, if you go, if if I am an 18-year-old in Georgia, or let's say Florida because they're 21 now, and I want to drive across state lines to Georgia to buy a gun, well, first of all, Georgia can't sell it to me because Georgia has to honor the laws in Florida. 
and the rifle purchase age is now 21. But even if they could sell it to me, they couldn't give it to me since I'm presenting a Florida driver's license. They would have to ship it to a federal firearms licensee in Florida. They'd have to ship it essentially to a gun store in Florida. And I pick it up there. I couldn't carry it back with me. And now some of you, particularly those of you on the left who don't like this idea, you're coming up with, with wild card scenarios here. And let me just break it down for you very simple. If I'm going to lie and make this up, I mean, no law is going to stop me. If I'm going to forge an ID, I'm going to do any of these things. Uh, if I'm going to try to get over it, a 21-year-old or 18-year-old purchase doesn't matter. Crossing state lines doesn't matter. If I'm going to break the law, I'm going to break the law. But under the law, under the legal scenarios to buy guns, these hypotheticals don't apply. So you can let the states do it. You don't need Congress. And kudos to this administration for recognizing federalism has a role to play in all of this. There are two pieces of breaking news to bring you up to speed with. One, President Trump has blocked uh, Broadcom from taking over Qualcomm. Qualcomm is a U.S. chip manufacturer, most notable uh, building modems and cell phones uh, from iPhone to Android devices. Uh, Broadcom uh, had been an American company, moved to become a Singaporean company, has been trying to move back to the U.S. The president has stopped the potential merger um, and... Intel, I'm sure, is breathing a sigh of relief. Also, Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, has released a statement saying that the ex-spy in Great Britain is poisoning clearly came from Russia. Um, that's a little bit even more direct than the British Prime Minister Theresa May was willing to do. Clearly came from Russia. He vows it will trigger response from the White House. This is going to be a really big story over the next couple of weeks um, because, I mean, this could be a mass casualty situation due to a chemical weapon deployed in the U.K. by Russia. Um, the response is going to need to be strong. And, of course, the left will be trying to put uh, Donald Trump in a position to make him look like he's refusing to do anything because of Russia. And I don't believe that'll be the case. <laughs> 